Come in. Go move this back just a little bit. I got a bad habit of spitting and uh, sometimes like a lawn sprinkler, the older I get and I had some Oreo cookies right before and I <laughs> wouldn't be pleasant. So <laughs> a little distance. I'm going to grab two passages tonight. Second uh, uh, Timothy chapter 2 is going to be our passage, but we're going to start off in 1 John chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and then uh, 1 John chapter 2, uh, I, I counted it an honor, and I've said this over and over again, I, I, take, uh, I don't take it lightly to be able to stand here and, and preach uh, before the young people at Lehigh, I, count, I, I really do honor, uh, count it an honor. We started off this morning preaching the warning signs to backsliding, and, and when you feel yourself falling away from the Lord, and I, uh, uh, we, we kind of tackled things about that, and then this afternoon we tackled the unstable Christian, those things that can make you unstable and shake you in your walk a little bit, and I, I want to continue today in that theme of uh, a, a, a Christian uh, that produces for God, and, and my title of my sermon this, or this afternoon, this evening, is uh, Standing Empty-Handed Before God. Standing empty-handed before God. I, I know I, as a Christian, there's, there's many reasons why we serve God. I, uh, uh, I, we serve Him because we love Him. I mean, when you stop and you think of everything that, that Jesus did for us, and, and why were we yet sinners? He died for us, you know, to save us. And, and He didn't know us anything, but He loved us that much. And when you stop and think about that, you just can't help but want to serve God. I, I, another reason, I wrote a few down that just kind of popped in my head, is because I believe the Bible. You know, as a Christian, I believe that I'm going to stand and give an account one day. I, I, I believe that sinners are going to die and go to hell one day. I believe that the lost around me are watching, and, and, and I believe that. So I, this is why I serve. Another reason why I serve is because I want to see people saved. I preached on this a little bit this afternoon. Uh, I know I've got family and friends that, that I run with before I got saved. And by the way, I love the testimonies tonight. Uh, 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 we're all new creature when you get saved. And, but unfortunately, when you get saved, there's a lot of family and friends that wasn't. And they're not to this day. And they're still watching. So I, I, that's another reason why I serve. I, I serve because I want to glorify God in front of the lost world, you know. I want them to look at my life and the changed life, and, and, and not because of what I'm doing, but because of what he's doing through me, and, and give God the glory. I want my light to shine. I serve because I know uh, one day, and here's the biggie, I know one day uh, uh, after the rapture at what is called the Bema Seat, the judgment seat of Christ, I'm going to have to stand before the King of Kings and give an account for what I've done with my life. And as I'm studying for this sermon, this one verse uh, popped in my head. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 15. I'll read this for you real quick. It says, If any man's work shall be burned, he, himself, or he shall uh, suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so is by fire. And I got to thinking about this person that's standing at the judgment seat of Christ. I'm thinking, now, now he's saved, and uh, he, he, he had the same Holy Spirit indwelling uh, that I do, but somehow or another, he managed to get to the judgment seat of Christ and have nothing to show. He said, it says, his works are burned away. There's nothing to cast at the Savior's feet. And, and, I, and I couldn't imagine feeling that way. I, I can't imagine standing before Jesus Christ one day, knowing he saved me, knowing what he'd done for me, knowing the love that he had for me, and I didn't have anything to show while I lived on this earth. I, I couldn't imagine that feeling to stand there and look him in the eyes. And the question that keeps coming to mind about this 1 Corinthians 3.15 person is how does a person get saved and yet go through life and yet have nothing to show 
when you stand before Jesus Christ? And tonight I want to answer that question. So if you got your Bibles open, 1 John chapter 2, we're going to look at verse uh, 28. If you could stand in respect to God's Word, we're going to read one verse real quick. And then we're going to go in and, and start preaching. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 28. I like what he says here. He says, And now, little children, abide in Him, that when He shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. Father, feed us tonight. And Lord, I, I, I count it an honor again to be able to stand here and preach. And Father, I thank you for what you've done already. Lord, I thankful, I'm so thankful for these young people that are here tonight. And Lord, uh, hungry for the Word of God, taking notes. And Father, I pray and ask you bless them tonight. Lord, give them something from the Word of God. And Lord, help me to be obedient to the Scriptures. Help me to be obedient to the Holy Spirit and listen to what He has to say. And Father, that everything's said and done. And, and Lord, it, the, the music was awesome. Lord, it glorified you. The testimonies were awesome. And Father, now I pray and ask, Lord, that the preaching would also glorify you. And then I also pray and ask the response to the preaching would glorify you as well. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I, um, I, 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 right in the sermon, I got to thinking about heaven and how great heaven's going to be. And, and I often use this as counseling when I'm, I'm with somebody on death's bed and, and, and ready to enter into heaven. Uh, I, I, you know, to think about standing in heaven and seeing Jesus face to face, the tabernacle of men with God. I can't imagine what it's going to be like uh, to stand before. I've heard the song, I can only imagine. Well, the Bible says you can't imagine how great it's going to be to stand before Christ. I know there's going to be streets of gold and mansions and gates of pearl and all the sights of heaven and I'm looking forward to all that. I know we get to see the throne of God, the river of life. I know that there's going to be no more death, no pain, no sorrow. I know my family's there waiting on me and I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But in all that, in all that excitement as we read our text, it says it's possible that there's going to be the some when Christ comes back is going to stand ashamed. Ashamed for what they've done, and, and he says that it's possible that they're uh, that that, that they're going to they could live their life as a Christian and not have anything to show. And I looked up the definition of ashamed. It says feeling shame, distress, or embarrassed by feelings of guilt, foolishness, or disgrace. How does a person have the Holy Spirit? And I've asked this question before. I'm going to ask again. How does a person have the Holy Spirit and still get through life and have nothing to show for what he's done on this earth? So if you got your Bibles, turn over to 2 Timothy. We're going to draw some points out of chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2. And we're going to draw some points. And here, the context of the letter is obviously Paul writing to uh, Timothy, a young pastor in training. And I, I know as a, uh, when I first uh, surrendered to the call to preach and become a pastor, I do appreciate some of uh, uh, the older pastors that's been down there and trained me. I, I, I'm a, uh, a few are here tonight. I took some classes online. I appreciated that. Uh, some of the local pastors where I, I live, they called me in and we had some lunch. I remember sitting uh, at McDonald's eating some glorious, wonderful food that we had to bless to our bodies at McDonald's, and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and he said, pick my brain, anything you want to know, and I just asked him question after question. I was a rookie just starting into this, and, uh, and he gave me a lot of counsel. We sat through breakfast, and then we got lunch, you know, <laughs> some more glorious food, and, uh, but I appreciate that, and that's kind of the context of the letter here, and as I'm reading, I'm, uh, we're going to look at chapter 2. We're going to pull some points from verses 1 through 7 is where we're going to spend our, our, our time tonight, and as I'm looking at this counsel between uh, Paul the church plan 
dinner working with this young pastor, I got to thinking, these are some great points, not just for a, a pastor in training, but also anybody who's serving God. And, and, I, and I hope tonight you're serving God and you're, you're looking for those rewards. So here's my outline tonight. I'm going to give you my outline. I like points. I do a lot of points. Six ways to finish empty-handed uh, before God. Six ways to stand empty-handed before God. I'm going to draw my points, so let's jump right in. If you're taking notes, and I love to see those pins rolling. Uh, number one, uh, stand on your own strength. Stand on your own strength. Look down at verse 1. I like what he tells Timothy here. He says, Thou therefore, my son, look at this, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I like that. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Grace, the acronym, I've heard it used before, is God's riches at Christ's expense. I get a lot of things because of what Jesus did for me. And I place my faith, and I praise God for that. And one of those graces that I get is I get godly strength in, 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 in serving God. Now, grab your Bibles. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Let's do a little Bible study. Ephesians chapter 6. And I think, uh, young people, what you got to understand is, as a Christian, you're in a spiritual battle. And, and Ephesians chapter 6 really lays it out. And we're just, familiar passage. And we're going to read just a few verses. We're going to start at uh, verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6. You got to say amen. amen. You don't got to say, hold on preacher. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 6. Let's look down at verse 10. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in what? The Lord. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of what? His might. His might. Mm. You see where the battle lies? I mean, just right off the bat there in chapter 10. Now look at verse 11. He says, put on the whole armor of God, not your armor, but his armor, that, get this, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now we're going to talk about that here in just a minute. Verse 12, look at this. For we wrestle not against uh, flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Do you see the mouthful uh, that, that Paul's talking about here of the battle, the spiritual battle that you're in against? Some, something that's just beyond our imagination. Verse 13, he says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may, get this, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. How do you tell who's the winner of a fight? <laughs> the one standing, you know. <laughs> and that's what God wants in your life when it comes to this battle that we're in. We, uh, it's not that we're, it, it, the Christian life is easy, and we're going to talk about this in just a minute. But, but, but what God's will is in your life, when the wiles of the devil comes to you, that you're after the battle is done, you're standing and he's defeated. That's what God wants in your life. So that led me to do a little bit of a study about, about uh, the deceiver that we're up against, the, the devil. Uh, I just took a few notes down. Let me, I'm just going to go through these and read them just so you understand. Uh, Genesis 3, 5, he's the great deceiver. He, he, you looked at how he deceived Eve in the garden. In uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 6, uh, he's the great manipulator of the Bible. You see that where he's trying to twist Scripture. Uh, just to understand what we're up against, uh, 2 Corinthians 11, 14, he can appear as an angel of light. Uh, I'm just reading them off. Uh, uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 38. He has a powerful kingdom on this earth right now. John 10, 10 said he's walking this earth seeking whom he may devour. 1 Peter 5, 8 as well. Uh, Revelation 9, 11, Ephesians 6, 12. He's the king of this dark, evil world. 2 Corinthians 4, 34. He has control over the minds of the lost. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. He has his demons fighting against believers. Uh, Job chapter 2, verse 7. John 10, 10. He is the destroyer. I just wanted to go down through those, and, and there's a lot more I could have wrote down. That's what we're up against. 
That's the power of the darkness of this world. That's Christian. That's what we battle every single day. But I got some good news. Jesus has all power given unto him. And he's more powerful than everything that I just read you as far as the devil goes. I, uh, you got power in Christ when you got saved. Uh, John, 1 John 3, 8. We've got power through the Word of God. Hebrews 4, 12. It's that sword that, that he's scared of, the Word of God. Uh, we've got power through prayer. James 5, 16. says, The prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Are you saved tonight? Say amen. amen. You've got a powerful weapon. It's called your prayer closet that the devil's afraid of. We got power through the gospel. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. The power of salvation. We got that. And, and yeah, if you fail in serving God, it's because you pushed Jesus aside and you leaned on your own strength. The devil's not afraid of you, he's afraid of Jesus Christ. That's what he's afraid of. I, I remember, I, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I'm not real tall. And, uh, and, and, and I was and in high school, I wasn't real tall either. And when you're like five, well, I'll just say this. When I got my driver's license, I was four foot ten. <laughs> I stayed that way all through high school. I, I had to sit on a pillow to see over the steering wheel. That was embarrassing when you go out. And, uh, and uh, I, uh, so when you're, but I took a growing spurt when I turned 17. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Reached five, five. But uh, uh, with sister, when you were talking about being short, I'm like, hey, man, preach, sister. And, uh, yeah, uh, but when you're short in high school, in public school, you get a lot of bullies. And, uh, and I had my share of bullies. I don't know why. There was this one guy who was a huge guy. He just didn't like me. And I don't know why, because I'm, I'm a pretty nice guy. And, uh, but he just, he just didn't like me. And I don't know why. I remember after gym class one day, I was the teacher's pet. Maybe, maybe that's why he didn't like me. I don't know. But uh, she said, it was after gym. She said, do you mind uh, putting the, the basketballs away? And they're in the back room. I said, sure, no problem. So I gather, gather up the basketballs. I go in the back room, and I'm stacking neat as the teacher's pet should do. And uh, all of a sudden, I turn and look. This guy don't like me. He's right behind me. And he's going to beat me up. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh, no, I'm dead. I am, I am totally dead. And, uh, and I tried to talk my way out if I could. He grabbed a hold of me, pinned me against some rolled-up mats. He grabbed one of them archer, uh, bow, fiberglass bows, pushed it up against my neck, and he said, do you like to breathe? I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of fun, you know. And, uh, and, uh, and as I'm about ready to die, in walks a, a friend of mine. He's a football player named Jesse Crockett. And Jesse walks in and grabs him by the hair head and slams him up against the thing. He said, do you like to breathe? And, uh, and he said, well, yeah, I guess I do. And, uh, and, uh, I, uh, and, 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 and he chased him out there. He said, Jimmy, he said, listen, if that guy ever messes with you again, he said, you just come tell me. I was like, boy, I walked around that high school like I was six foot two. You know, <laughs> I looked for him. I picked fights because I knew I could, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, know, you know, something when it comes to devil, he's way meaner, way tougher, way wiser, way smarter than you. But you got a friend that's sticking closer than a brother, and his name is Jesus Christ. And you're in a battle, Christian, whether you like it or not. Young people, I know you say, well, I'll wait till I get older. Not. Yeah. No, you're in a battle right now. If you're, a saved, if you're saved, you're in the battle, and, and you need Christ. And if you lean on your own strength, and you think you're going to accomplish rewards, you're not going to get anything. It's in the power of his might is where you're going to, having done all to stand, and accomplish the rewards that, that you want when you stand before Christ. Number two, let's move on. If you want to stand empty-handed, number two, be a lone ranger. Be a lone ranger. 
uh, uh, we're going to look at a verse here in just a minute. Let me use an illustration. Uh, I, I shared this morning how sometimes leaving tracks can upset some people, you know, the hard-hearted people, the people don't want them to do with Christ. Uh, we went out on one soul winning year a couple weeks ago in Oxford, and, uh, and we're knocking on doors, and we're leaving tracks, and, you know, if nobody answers the door, you know, we just you know, gently tuck a little track right there behind the doorknob, move on to the next door. Well, somebody evidently <laughs> hear them tracks again. They upset people. You know, that little piece of paper about this big just tears somebody up. So uh, we got our, our, our church Facebook page, and somebody sent a message. So I checked the message, and I wrote down what was said on the message. Uh, this lady said, please stop pushing God onto people and showing up to our doors in Oxford. I know my God, and I do not have to go to church to worship Him. I do not have to dress up and drive to a church and sit there for three hours to listen to some pastor tell me who God is. <laughs> if I, I, I really controlled myself because I was like, I was like, why don't you come on out? No, I didn't do that. You know, uh, you know. <laughs> and I, I hear that a lot, though. I don't need church. I don't need church. Well, Jesus started a local independent church for a reason. He did it. And that's for us to be able to gather together. Look down at verse 2, what Paul says. I like this. He says in verse 2, he says, In the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. There's delegation. I, I, I think that's a great thing. Uh, and, in other words, what he's, what he's saying is, you know, Paul, the church planner, he says, you know, you don't do this alone. You get into a local church, you get around good godly people, and, and, and you work together as a team, and that's, that's the way you do it. See, God designed a church for a reason, and that's not for you to stay out of the church. The local church is God's institution for us. It's the blessing for us. He's given us a lot of gifts, the Holy Spirit, the Bible, prayer. we got all kinds of weapons. But the local church, young people, listen to me, look at me, is a valuable valuable tool, never neglected. Uh, I, I looked up the word synergy, and synergy says this, the interaction or co uh, cooperation of two or more organizations, substance, or other agents to produce a combined effect uh, that the sum of their uh, separate effects. In other, words, in other words, if I can lift 50 pounds, and, and Brother Gable can lift 50 pounds, separately that's only 100 pounds, but we get together and we lift up like a big old beam or something, we may be able to lift even more, okay? See, that's what happens when two or three are gathered. We get together and, 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 we, uh, and, and we can produce more. That's what the, the local church is all about. I, I, let me give you an example. Uh, you know, if somebody hollered, there's a bee right there against the window, I'd be like, oh, okay, well, just get me a fly swatter. I'd swat it, all right? But somebody say there's two bees over there. It's like, okay, well, I've got to be a little more cautious because if I miss the first one, you know, the second one's going to get me. If somebody said there's a whole nest over there, you know, well, I'm going to take a different approach, all right? I'm going to come in with a bomb and, uh, and, and go after them, you know? See, you, 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 I don't fear one. But I fear when a bunch of them gets together because, you know, I'm focusing on this one. This one's going to get me, you know. You know and, and that's what God designed a church for, that we can get together. It's for our benefit. Uh, Hebrews 10, 25 says we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, you know, especially as we see the end days coming. You're to gather together. Young people, I want you to listen to something. I was at your church last night, and what a wonderful service. And you, got, you guys, I'm going to say this. I, I've been around churches. I've preached around a lot. 
you got a great church. Lehigh Valley Baptist Church is a, an amazing church. But after the service, I'm, I'm fellowshipping, and, and uh, there's some 80s kids around here in your church too, by the way, but uh, uh, listen to the sermon. I'm listening, and then uh, Pastor Gable says we're going to have a little prayer service, and I said, okay, you know, uh, this is my first camp being with you guys, and, and I said, yeah, okay, we'll gather together. And, uh, and so, so we, we, we had our prayer service. We broke up into little groups, and we're praying. Young people, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm sitting there listening, and the tears were flowing. For you, your moms, your dads, your church family, were in tears praying for you, your future, your salvation. They love you. And, and, and young people never, listen to me, never take that for granted. You're part of a really good church. And you roll your sleeves up and you get busy. And thank God that he's got you in a church. Because where two or three are gathered, there he is in the midst. Let's move on. Number three, if you want to stand empty-handed, be easily frustrated. Look down at verse three. Be easily frustrated. He says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You know, when you get saved, you better be a soldier. Because whether you know it or not, you're in a battle. And the battle is coming. Hardness means cruelty of temper, savageness, harshness. I, uh, let me use the illustration. I, I do like teen camps. We've org- organized quite a bit in our church. And uh, I don't know what it is with teenagers, but capture the flag, and at least in our church, was a huge game that we always played. I don't understand why, because they always get hurt. And, uh, and, and, and you know, I, I guess I figure if we can draw a little blood, you know, hey, we, we accomplished what we set out for. And, uh, and, uh, and they, they uh, State Line Baptist Church, a unique group of teens. And, uh, and I remember. Uh, we would always, uh, if you don't understand how the game's played, basically we break up into teams and this team has their flag and that team has their flag. And I don't know what's so valuable about, about the flag, but they got to hide that flag over in their territory. And, 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 and then you got to cross over into their territory without getting tagged and steal their flag and then run back as fast as you can without getting tagged and bring the flag back over to your territory and you win the game. It's really that simple. So we th- figured we would up the ante just a little bit. There was a road that separated the camp and that road was the safety zone. You couldn't get tagged. You, the, they could mingle right there in the middle and whatnot, and, but, and, but boy, the safety zone was not very safe. That's where the battles happened. <laughs> That's where the teams collided, and I remember this poor young guy named Ethan. He had a girl pick him up. <laughs> Lost all manliness on that day. Drug him over. It scratched him right across the, the, the black top. He was bloodied all up, and, uh, and, uh, and I remember I said, son, <laughs> I'm sorry, you just lost your manliness. It's out the window. And, uh, and, you know, he was bloodied up. And he said, but, you know, preacher, he said, I knew I was getting into a battle. <laughs> she was a lot tougher than what you thought she was. <laughs> you know, you know he, he, he knew he was in a battle. Now, what had happened if he got in that game and he didn't know about the safety zone? He didn't know, and, and that big girl grabbed a hold of him. <laughs> hey, wait a minute, this ain't how this game pl- is played, you know? He'd be shocked. You know, what the, I, I didn't expect this. You know, a lot of Christians think the devil is just this little guy in Hollywood with the little red suit and a pitchfork. He, he's not at all. He's not. He's, 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 he's going to come after you. And when you serve God, I, I, I can promise you, I can promise you when you're out to earn rewards, he's going to do everything that he can possibly do to try and get you frustrated. 
try and get you out of the game. Uh, I, I, I was talk, uh, like Brother Gabe, I was talking to him, said, you know, the devil's trying to attack. We're getting ready to go to, to, to youth camp. And he, and he said this, he said, that's a sign we're doing something right. <laughs> you know, The devil will attack. And I, I tell you, as a preacher, that's the one thing I fully didn't understand. I preached the Bible, I taught the Bible in youth group. And boy, as a preacher, when I stepped up to become a preacher, I realized, boy, the devil just don't like that. Yeah, And, and I had attacks. I had attacks from people that called themselves Christian. I've had people bad mouth me on Facebook. I even had a video made about me on YouTube. It was really cool. And, uh, you know, uh, it's, uh, you know it, it happens. But here's the thing. If you don't understand that the battle's coming, you're going to get frustrated. And when you get frustrated, you're going to quit. And when you quit, you don't earn no rewards when you get to heaven. Uh, it, 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 this, it is a battle that we're in for sure. If you're going to get easily frustrated, get ready because the devil is going to come. Number four, let's move on. Number four, if you want to stand empty-handed, get busy with temporary stuff. Get busy. I, I look what Paul says in verse four. He says, No man that warreth entangle himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who have chosen him to be a soldier. See, when a soldier goes into battle, you don't think about what's going on anywhere but the battle. If you get your mind off of the battle, the enemy is going to win. And that's what Paul is talking about. Entangled means to twist or interweave in such a manner as to not to be easily separated, to make confused uh, or disordered. Uh, yeah, that's, but we're not to be entangled with the things of this world. Let me use an illustration. In my church, is a, I mentioned a fellow that's a good friend of mine at church. His name's Andrew. Uh, Andrew is like six foot three, and he's a lot younger than me. He's really, really good at basketball. I'm exactly the opposite. And, uh, and, uh, but every once in a while, we get together, we go to camp, or we take a, uh, uh, just go up to the bus bar and do a little, we play basketball. Uh, I usually lose. And matter of fact, I never win. <laughs> we even he spotted me twenty-one points one time in a game of twenty-one. I still lost. I don't know how that worked. But uh, you know, it's just because well, I, he's tall. I'm not. He's young. I'm not. Yeah, you know, he's uh, he's good at basketball. I'm not. You know, that's he has it all. But but he's got two sons now. Titus and Oliver, and they're, they're about seven or eight. I said, you know what? What if, what if his sons, one wrapped around his one long leg and, and the other son wrapped around his other leg? Okay, now, now he's entangled, all right? I bet I at least would score a point or two, you know? Yeah, why? Because, because he's got some entanglement going on in his life. Young people, let me tell you something. Boy, the devil has got some stuff out for you today. I mean, it really does. I've been doing, I've done youth groups for years, and I remember there was a time where we could get, we could take the bus out, and we could fill the bus up with kids. I mean, they would come in, and we, uh, we would pack 45, 50 kids out, just bus kids coming, let alone church kids. I, I, I've seen it change, though. I've seen it change. It's really difficult to get bus kids in. They've got so much entertainment, man. They carry their entertainment in their pockets. You tell a kid, go to your room. That used to. That'd be a bad thing. You tell them to go to your room. They're like, all righty, see you later. I'll see you next week. You know, <laughs> Entertainment. They can, you know, it, it, the devil's got so many toys out there for you. And, 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 and the one thing about toys that get you sidetracked and you chase after, they have no eternal value. I don't know what the latest, greatest video game is or, or, or internet thing is, but you can waste hours and hours and hours on that. Social media, I've looked at some of the statistics that, that the average teenager spends on Facebook or Twitter or whatever new thing is out, is amazing. 
Young people, let me ask you this. Just in the last week, as far as entertainment, whether you're talking about sports, whether you're talking about uh, fishing, hunting, or whatever, uh, inter- uh, video games, or how much have you spent in entertainment versus just spending time in your Bible with the Word of God? How much? See, wait, see where your treasure is there, where your heart be also. And if you want to waste your time and, and, uh, with the things that have no eternal value, you can't never get that time back. I read a book about a preacher. And he, uh, he was, uh, his dad was an evangelist, and he tr- rode around and as far as like uh, preaching at churches, that, that thing. And, uh, and uh, he would, the, this one church really stuck in his mind. And, and every time he'd go there, there was this older gentleman there. Now, he came to the revival ser- service, but he was lost. And he, he, uh, he just, he just it, the gospel was given. His wife would cry and pray that he would get saved and just wanted to see this guy eventually walk the aisles. And, and years went by, and this guy was way older by this time. He's like 52. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke for our older crowd, but uh, no. <laughs> no, he's way older. And, uh, and all of a sudden, the gospel got to him, and uh, he, he started crying. He got up, and he, and, and he walked the aisle, and, and the preacher met him down at the altar. And, and there at the altar, he just poured his heart, repented, and called on Christ and asked Christ to save him. And, and, and everybody was excited, and, and the old man stood up, and he was, he, was, he was still crying. But it wasn't crying like tears, like, I'm saved. But he stood up, and this is what the book was titled, and he cried, I I wasted it. I wasted it. Because what he realized, he didn't have a lot of years left. And he had spent his life chasing riches. He spent his life chasing everything. And all of that was going to be left behind. Who knows who's going to get it, you know? And now he's looking at eternity and standing before God. He has nothing to stand before Christ. He said he wasted it. I, you, I, this has been said over and over and over. Young people, you got a precious gift. It's called youth. And you got your whole future ahead of you. You can start earning rewards right now. I, 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 I've listened to um, some of your testimonies and talked to some of uh, your preacher and, and, and uh, pastors. And, uh, and I understand you guys are serving. Praise God. Don't stop that. Keep it going wherever you can. I love to see teenagers that hang around and help wash windows. <laughs> I, I love to see teenagers uh, make time out of schedule to go soul winning, uh, to, to, to do whatever they can do. Find what you can do in the church. Find out what you can do to, to, to see people get saved. That's where your reward Right now, get busy. Roll your, young men, you're called to preach. Start right now. <laughs> Start right now. Living a pure life, doing everything. Young ladies, if you, you, you feel called that God's going to marry a preacher, marry a missionary, God do it right now start preparing right now start earning all the rewards don't wait till you get to the end of your life and stand there like the old guy said and I've wasted it if you want to stand empty handed get focused on stuff that has absolutely no eternal value number five let's move on if you want to stand empty handed do things your own way I thought this was interesting look down at verse five he says if, if any man strive for masteries he is yet not crowned except, get this, he strive lawfully. I thought that was interesting. The illustration here, Paul is saying that when you play a sport, that's the masteries, he says you've got to play by the rules. That's lawfully. You've got to follow the rules. Now, now, let me use an example. If, uh, if uh, Pastor Gable and me got into a basketball game, now he's younger than me and taller than me and better looking than me. I don't know if that has anything to do with the basketball. But, uh, but, but and I know I say, go, he's, he's going to probably beat me in basketball. But 
if I cheat, <laughs> maybe I throw some dirt in his eyes, you know, <laughs> kick him in the shin every once in a while when he trip him, you know, and, you know, you know and, and, and we had referees, they're not going to award me the game. They said, you know, you know, you cheated, we have rules to follow by, you know, and, and that's kind of the illustration Paul was using here. You know, as a Christian, God's given us a rule book, it's called his Bible, and, and, and we're to follow by those rules if we want to stand. We can't go out and do things our own way. Now, uh, let me use an, uh, an example, a modern-day example. I know years ago, I don't know if it still goes on. I think it was up this way. There was a, 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 a Christian rock festival they called Creation Fest. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of that. It was up uh, somewhere in this area. And, uh, and there was some young people in our church got into it. And, uh, and I, I'm totally against that stuff. I don't agree with it at all. Uh, I think that's doing things your own way, not the way the Bible says, in my opinion. As we read scriptures, and a lot of people in our, uh, some of the young people in our church was all excited about, it. and they're like, "You don't understand. We see people getting saved there all the time. Like the ends justifies the means." And uh, and uh, and I remember a, a video I was shown, and it was a documentary on this Christian rock festival, and that was just sucking the young people in. And they, they had this one young guy there. He was a youth pastor, and it's like summer. It's like ninety some degrees, and 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 here you got the rock bands playing, and and uh, and they're playing worldly music along with, with uh, what they would call Christian music. And, and they had a pool there. And, this, and, and, and you had young ladies and young guys in bathing suits. And they were getting baptized in the pool. And, uh, and the youth pastor made a statement as he was being interviewed. He said, well, I don't, I, I, we don't teach the young people what exactly baptism is. We hope that they go back to their local church and explain to them, I wanted to reach through the camera <laughs> and choke that guy. I say, God gave us a rule book. God gave us a rule book. It's called the Bible. Amen. And that's what we build our doctrine. That's what we build our practice. That's what we build our lives on. It's the rule book. It, uh, look down at verse 7. He says, consider what I say, and the Lord shall give thee understanding. Young people, the, as you grow up, and I pray you stay in this local church and stay faithful to that, and if God moves you, you find a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching local church. But I, there are a lot of places out there, buildings with the name church on them, that's not biblical. Be careful out there, because a lot of people that claim to be Christian, and they will say they, they're doing things this way or that way, look into the book. Look into the book, and the Bible gives us the way. And if you want to stand empty-handed, get plugged into something like that. But boy, if you want to stay fruitful, you want to stay uh, 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 on the right path where you're going to stand and get a lot of rewards, stay faithful to the book. Learn the Bible, study the Bible, read the Bible, apply it to your lives. That's where you're going to get a lot of rewards. And then lastly, number six, if you want to stand empty-handed, be lazy. <laughs> Be lazy. Serving God, honestly, is a lot of work. It's a lot of hard work. Look at verse 6. He says, The husbandman that laboreth must, first partake, be, uh, must be first partaker of the fruits. Now, the illustration here, Paul is saying that no man can look for a harvest unless he first takes the time to plow and sow the ground. I, I shared this morning that, that uh, me and my wife started a garden this past spring and, and uh, did a little gardening. I learned a lot of things about gardening, and, and I learned one thing. Gardening is a lot of work. I mean, for like three tomatoes, you know. <laughs> it's like the Amish can grow them. I can have like $3 and buy But, you know, it's the, it's the, the self-accomplishment there. So, so, you know, I made tomato cages. I made a cucumber rack and, 
and I plowed it up and put lime in the ground and, and then the, the work don't stop there. Then you got to go put all the seeds in the ground. You got to water when it's dry. You got to pull weeds up. I don't know why they always outgrow the plants, but they do. And, and it's a lot of work. And, and, but, and we did. We got some zucchini. We got some cucumbers and, and uh, some jalapeno peppers, which burn our face off, you know. Uh, so we got some produce. And therefore, while our kitchen counter was, was full of uh, some fresh, non-GMO vegetables, you know. So, you know, we, we didn't eat much. We went to McDonald's. But, but, <laughs> but you know, we did, you know. And, you know, so, so but what if, and, and now we're in, you know, January, looking at February. Okay, it's getting ready time. That's a lot of work. I'm not really sure if I'm going to do that next year. You know, and, I, and imagine if I, I, I didn't do any of the work, and I got frustrated, and I went out, and I, I talked to my wife. I said, "Hun, I don't understand that. There's not a single zucchini in that, in that garden anywhere. There's not a cucumber growing up the rack I built. There's no tomatoes in the, in the cages that I made. And, and she'll say, well, did you plant anything? I'm like, no. I was hoping there was some left over from last year. You know, yeah, they're, they're, you're not going to get it. And we talked about the laws of sowing and reaping. You've got to plant in order to, uh, to, to be able to harvest it. And, and, and young people, let me tell you something. I've preached on this already. If you want to serve the Lord, it, be ready. There's a lot of work to be done. Ask any preacher here that's pastoring a church. There's always the laborers are always few. <laughs> there's always more work than there is laborers always. But for the, the good news is there's always something to do. There's always something to do in a local church. If you're saying, well, I don't know what to do. Preachers, raise your hand. <laughs> give, give them about three minutes and they'll fill your workload up, give you something to do. But that's where the, that's where the harvest happens. That's where, the, that's where you're going to earn rewards. And you may not feel like you're earning rewards, but you know something? My God has taken good record. And, and, and nothing goes by his eyes. And he is keeping really, really good. Let me read you a verse. Matthew 18, 18. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Bind means to grab it up and not let it go. Loose means just turn it loose. That's what it means. God's giving you a gospel. If you bind it up, it's not going to make any impact in heaven. But boy, if you turn it loose, I bet, I bet every one of us here has got lost cousins, lost family members, maybe neighbors up the street that we know that's not saved. If you bind it up, you're not making any impact in heaven. But boy, when you turn it loose and you tell every, all your friends about Jesus Christ, that's when you make an impact. That's where you see rewards in heaven. So let me close this up. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one of us, get this, may receive the things done in his body according to that he had done, whether it be good or bad. Young people, you ought to live your life focused on Christ and focused on that day when you get to stand before him. And, I, and let me say this, I'm going to close. You may be sitting here this morning and say, well, I got, I got plenty of time. I'm 15. I mean, I got plenty of time to work. I got plenty of time to serve. Unfortunately, one thing I found out as a preacher, no one knows what tomorrow holds. No one does. I'll tell you one story and I'll close. I, uh, there was a uh, little girl in our church. Her name was Kirsten. She was a bus kid. 
uh, she was faithful to church. I loved church. She'd come in, she'd do her work in the, in the, in the King's Kids program, and, and uh, she loved the Lord. She got saved. Uh, she had a younger brother that was coming as well, and he got saved. And uh, I remember it was a, a Wednesday night. I got done preaching a little early. The, the kids were out playing kickball. They, it was their game time. And uh, I was waiting out there at the front, at, at, the, at, the, uh, at the parking lot as the kids were coming by, and little Kirsten come by. It was a Wednesday night. I remember this plain day. And she looks at me. She said, I'll see you next week, preacher. <laughs> 10 years old. Uh, what I didn't know, I wouldn't see her next week. That was a Wednesday night. Uh, Thursday night, I was home and just so happened to have Facebook on. I followed this thing called Cecil County Fire Blog, and I noticed there was a wreck on Mechanics Valley Road, a bad wreck. Uh, a car got T-boned, and what I didn't know, Kirsten was in that car. She died that night, 10 years old. Last thing I seen was Kirsten say, I'll see you next week, preacher. She was 10 years old. Uh, she's her little brother, little sister, eight and five, also died in that wreck. It was three kids. Their uncle, 36 years old, died as well. I got a call from mom in tears, and she said, um, she said, do you mind doing their funeral? I said, I'd be honored. And we had the funeral. It was all over the local news, and, and, uh, and our church was packed out. I, it was a, a great opportunity to give the gospel. I mean, setting chairs out. We had to rent a tent to, to hold all the people and the food. And uh, in our church was a full-size casket. And I don't understand, but the family wanted an open casket, full-size casket, 36-year-old man, Kirsten's casket right in front of me, and two little teeny caskets of her younger siblings. Young people, you don't know how long you got. You may think, I almost say this, take advantage of every second that the Lord gives you. Earn as many awards as you possibly can. Don't take for granted one second and love Him and serve Him with everything you got. Every head bowed and every eye.